as I did, I think an, a really valuable resource at the UVAR is the tech transfer office. It might be volunteering, but even if you can get a couple hours in a week where you are reviewing invention disclosures and learning about what makes something patentable, you know, and reviewing the disclosures and seeing if it meets that requirement, you know, to the extent you can, doing prior art searches, becoming familiar with a patent application uh, and the patent prosecution process. I mean, that would be really valuable experience and really puts you ahead of, you know, other candidates that don't have that same experience. Welcome to another live career discussion here on the School of Medicine and Dentistry uh, LinkedIn channel. I'm Jeff Kozlowski. I'm a marketing communications manager supporting our graduate education and postdoctoral affairs office. It's it's a pleasure to have uh, to to you know keep this series going and, and excited to have Carissa Childs with us today. She's a 2005 toxicology program alum here at U of R and now senior IP counsel at Amgen and she is based here in Rochester. Carissa, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Hi Jeff, thank you for having me. Absolutely, it's it's a pleasure and you know, there was a, a brief introduction there at the top, but uh, if you could maybe expand a little bit on on that introduction and let us know a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Sure. So I, um, as Jeff mentioned, I am a senior IP counsel at Amgen. Amgen is a global, relatively large biopharmaceutical company. Um, they're headquartered in Thousand Oaks, California, but have uh, sites throughout the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and, um, you know, worldwide. Um, I'm a part of their IP prosecution team in their law department. Uh, Amgen has its own law department with various different law functions. I'm in the IP department, and I focus on doing patent prosecution, which is, which are all the steps leading up to obtaining patent protection, intellectual property protection for um, the various inventions arising in the course of work that is being done at Amgen. So for example, I support one of our programs in the immuno-oncology uh, group, and um, it's a preclinical early stage bispecific antibody that's being developed to treat cancer patients. So I sit in on the team meetings. I learn all about, you know, the development um, struggles and successes and how that, um, you know, the, the therapeutic is coming along decide when we should file our first patent application. And then I develop and implement, you know, a, a global patent strategy to protect this asset um, as it moves forward and, you know, hopefully into the clinic and, and uh, treating patients one day. Um, so I, I have various programs that I support in doing the same task. Um, I also do a lot of uh, client counseling and client here at Amgen are, are scientists. Um, so, for example, last uh, two weeks ago, I was up at our um, site in Vancouver, where we house our humanized um, mouse model that generates our therapeutic antibodies. And I'm talking to the scientists there about new uh, technologies, improvements that they want to implement into our platform for antibody generation. And it's my job to make sure we can implement those changes that they'd like, those improvements, you know, that we are impinging on someone else's IP rights and um, if, you know, do we need a license? Do we need a collaboration? How can we get this new technology that, that our scientists are thinking is going to be helpful into, you know, into working for us? 
Um, and I talked to them then also about how, what sort of IP that may generate for us and how we might want to protect that as well. So I have kind of various different um, roles, all of which are, are uh, to me, very interesting, very science-based still, um, and always, you know, I'm always learning on the job. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back, I guess, a few years, and can you talk a little bit about just how you discovered U of R and sort of what ultimately made you want to attend for your, your PhD? Sure. My uh, career path has been very windy, <laughs> but as I like to think of it, it's it's been one where I've um, kept my eyes open to different opportunities. Um, and so I <laughs> I started as um, down in, well, I'm from Wisconsin. I went down to Florida Eckert College for a degree in marine biology. Um, and after finishing that degree, that four-year degree, realizing the job opportunities were kind of slim and, you know, <laughs> um, and that I probably needed to, uh, you know, obtain further education. So I went on to looking for, you know, a PhD program that would build upon marine biology. And specifically, I was looking for marine toxicology to some extent and um, was following a particular researcher um, and <laughs> who worked at MIT Woods Hole. And I thought, well, I'm going to apply to the program and work with him. But as a backup, because that was a little bit of a stretch for me, I'm going to apply to the school where he went. And he uh, was Dr. Mark Hahn. He had attended the University of Rochester and worked in Tom Geshevitz's lab at the School of Medicine Dentistry. And so I also applied to the University of Rochester um, and a few other schools. But when I and then, you know, when I had to make a decision in looking at the program and um, you know, the tax program at the U of R is, was tremendous, right? There's funding available because um, they're on the tax training grant. There was uh, a lot of interesting research um, that I thought I would, you know, a lot of interesting research going on, you know, many labs choices that I thought would, would be something of interest for me to um, become a member of. They had the rotation, so you're able to do, you know, check out various labs and research before making a commitment. So there was an, uh, just a number of pluses in the box for U of R um, that that's what made me, you know, decide to join this, the program, the tax program there. And so, you know, talking a little bit about the graduate school experience, I think in some of our conversations leading up to today, you mentioned there was one sort of event or that you attended while you were a grad student here and you met somebody and that kind of changed your uh your your ideas for for a career path if if you will you kind of saw saw a new interest uh developing can you you know and in, in, in what kind of made you want to decide made you decide to go the legal route can you talk a little bit about that yes so as i um started the program at the u of r um my aspirations for for marine mammal toxicology started dissipating. <laughs> but I opened my, because you've opened my eyes to so many other opportunities. Um, and I think I learned going through academia that, that um, you know, future in academia probably wasn't right. So I was, was certainly seeking out other opportunities. And I had attended a graduate women in science meeting where Claudia Stewart was presenting and Claudia was um, at the time a senior licensing associate at our tech at the U of R tech transfer office, um, and so I found her job and how she described what she was doing fascinating. I had no idea um, that there was a tech transfer office and what it did, um, and so I 
after the meeting, spoke to her for a while. And from there, she spoke to the director of the tech transfer um, office and ended up um, securing a three month, it was about three month um, internship where I could go in and really learn all about tech transfer at the University of Rochester. And so if you're not aware, the tech transfer office is where um, scientists, you know, researchers submit what they believe might be um, an invention that's worthy of patenting or commercializing um, that's arising from their work in the lab. And so we would review, it, my job as an intern was to review the invention disclosures that came in, um, kind of assess them for patentability. So I learned a lot about, you know, IP law there, um, and also assess them for commercialability, commercialization, I should say, um, because that's, that's kind of your reason for obtaining a patent, right? You want to protect what your technology is so that you can, um, in your attempts to commercialize it, you can, you can protect it um, from others from, you know, commercializing the same invention. So it was, um, it was a great opportunity to learn all of that, the, the, the process of commercial patenting and commercializing technologies that arising from university work. Um, I got to see kind of the IP process because the portfolio at the U of R is, is rather large. They have you know early stage patent application filings to issue patents. So I could see the whole stage of patent prosecution, um, work with various attorneys that the university worked with, so got a feel for what they were doing, um, and then again, what you know we were doing in the office. So it really intrigued me um, and kind of changed my mind, my mind again in terms of <laughs> what I wanted to uh, pursue as a, a final career choice. Did you? Was there much of a pivot there you had to make once you made that decision, or was it just like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to go to law school now? <laughs> <laughs> right, and. and um, no, so I did start to investigate what, what um, you know, what I could do from there. I could have certainly continued to work in the tech transfer office. Um, for me, I enjoyed the intellectual property part of the job more so than um, like the business development, finding the partner for the technology and bringing it forward. Um, and I happened to, again, by luck, <laughs> uh, happened to get a call from one of the local attorneys that we work with in the office um, and they were looking to expand their IP group by adding a patent agent. Um, so there's patent agents and there's patent lawyers as a patent agent. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to go to law school. You can do all aspects of patent prosecution, which again is drafting an application, um, seeing it through the patent office, through the prosecution periods, the examination of the application, the back and forth with the examiner to the issuance of the patent. So you can do all that as a patent agent. You basically are trained on the job. Um, you're bringing a lot of your scientific knowledge to, to the table to help with that process. Um, you know, so I, I took that opportunity to, to join that IP group and decided at that point, um, so at that point I, my, my internship had extended into a, a longer term. Um, so I decided at that point that I did want to go to law school um, because to me that did open up some additional opportunity uh, in the law career field if, if I wanted it. Um, so I did make that decision then to, to go to law school and work part-time for the local law firm as a patent agent. So moving on, I mean, it sounds like, so then, you know, you, you don't necessarily, I guess, what are the, what are the options like for, you know, a PhD student um, in in a in a biomedical science field, 
um, that thinks, okay, well, maybe maybe I do want to go the legal route, but you know, they may think, well, that means I have to go to law school, but that's not necessarily mm-hmm. the case. Is there are there are there is there a good kind of list of options um, with without that law degree? I, I think so. Yes. Um, so, like I mentioned, patent agent is where you can get into the IP field without having to pursue a law degree. So, um, you know, the we had patent agents work. Typically, patent agents work at a law firm. So you'll work with an IP group. You'll work with attorneys, and you will work right alongside the attorneys, doing basically a lot of the same stuff associate um, attorneys do: drafting applications, responding to office actions. Um, you know, working with the inventors to understand the technology uh, so you can do all those things, draft the application and, and um, prosecute it through the patent office. As a patent agent, I also had the opportunity to work on kind of the litigation end where you're either enforcing a patent or trying to maybe invalidate someone else's patent. So you may work with experts in the field to draft affidavits that explain, you know, why a technology that has uh, as patented and issued patent isn't, shouldn't have been, you know, didn't meet the requirements of patentability, or perhaps you're working with an inventor to explain, you know, why your technology does meet the requirements of patentability. So you're able to do all the aspects of um, patent prosecution. And again, you're usually working along with attorneys, but you can become experienced such that you don't even need to have a, you know, work, being working with attorneys, you can work on your own. You pass the patent bar, you have your own registration. Um, but that is where you, your kind of job role will end. As an attorney, you are able to go to do a, a few additional things. You can render legal opinions on validity or infringement. You can do more litigation work. You can lead litigation. You can, you know, counsel clients on different legal issues, whereas as a patent agent cannot. Um, you can, the, so the difference then, of course, other differences are in pay. So you have opportunity to, for higher pay uh, and maybe climb the ladder a little bit more in the, as an attorney than as a patent agent. Um, but you also have, I think, a little less stress level as a patent agent than a patent attorney, right? You, you don't have the same billable hour requirements in the law firm environment um, as a patent agent versus an attorney. You always have to do more work on the attorney end. Um, I think historically there hasn't been as much opportunity for patent agents outside of um, law firm environment, but at Amgen now we have patent agents working alongside us, again, doing all the prosecution work. So I think that opportunities for patent agents has expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that's really great because I, I really enjoy, you know, I, I was a patent agent myself. It was great training for patent attorney, but again, <laughs> We're all kind of doing the same work. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you hit on this earlier um, in, in mentioning that there's still a lot of science involved in what you do. Uh, so, you know, it's it sounds like, you know, in, in your Ph.D. training, you were because you went this this route, um, you know, in your particular role, you you use a lot of what you learned in a, in your PhD on a daily basis and you're still learning. It sounds like, but, um, there, it does sound like there's still plenty of, of science involved in the work you do. Definitely. I mean, I, I work when I was working with a law firm, I worked primarily with university inventors, but so I'm working with, you know, researchers that are doing frontline, you know, 
science that's going on right now in the labs and trying, you know, needing to understand it and needing to understand not only the, the basic science questions that they've answered, but also how we can apply that, uh, you know, extend its application broader and what, what are the commercial aspects of that um, science. So, um, and in that, in that role, when you're working for, for um, a law firm, you often will, you will cover a much broader range of technologies, right? I, I mean, I, I, my training was in toxicology, which was, was a really great base to learn um, a lot of pharmacology, physiology, you know, a little bit of neuroscience, learn a lot about all the various different um, uh, aspects of bio, biology and biopharmaceuticals. Because, you know, I worked on vaccine development, I worked on um, cell culture uh, methods, I worked, I even worked on printer technologies, which was completely unrelated, but you just get, you get exposed to a wide range of different technologies that you need to be able to be conversive in. So you need to be able to pick up whatever that the scientist has provided to you and understand it and learn about it, you know, learn about what else is out there to the extent you don't know about it. You need to, you need to get up to speed as quickly as you can. And at Amgen, I'm definitely more focused. You know, I work on large molecule therapeutics, but, um, you know, it's a much deeper dive into that science. I thought I knew a lot about antibody therapeutics in, you know, practicing and working with universities over the last 10 to 15 years, but I'm on a daily basis learning a whole lot more, you know, that there's more to what makes an antibody manufacturable and stable and suitable to be, you know, used in humans. So, yeah, I, every day I learn something new in the in the realm of science, which which I love because I'm learning all of this, you know, cutting edge science. Um, but I'm not at the bench trying to do it myself because I wasn't the best at that. <laughs> you have to find your strengths, right? And you have to go go with your strengths. <laughs> you certainly found your strengths. One thing I just thought of, Carissa. I just you know we we talked a little bit about in grad school attending events. I think one in particular you went to, I want to say it was a graduate women in science event. Is that right? Yeah. So if, if any, um, you know, any tips for how to further take advantage of the graduate school experience for our current trainees to kind of, you know, whether it's, you know, reassuring yourself that this is the path I want to go down or just kind of opening your mind to new possibilities, you know, any, it's, it sounds like, you know, going out to those events was really beneficial to you. Um, anything else you would say as far as, you know, stepping out of your everyday graduate work? Oops. Um, yeah, so at, I know at, it was, you know, nearly 20 years ago when I was at the U of R and there was definitely a move towards um, opening, you know, exposing the graduate students to other opportunities. But I think it has, that has expanded tremendously, right? With you know, um, this event right here, I've attended other events um, where, you know, you're showcasing, the U of R does a great job in showcasing all sorts of opportunities that alumni have, have you know, stepped into. And so I think attending any and all of those is a, a really great opportunity because not only are you learning about, you know, other opportunities, you're also connecting with alumni who are an invaluable resource for trying to, you know, um, make that move into a different area. Um, you know, in our, in our field for, you know, one huge benefit of obtaining a job is to have a referral, right? So what I mean by that is when we have a job posted, if, if our company was to receive a referral from, a, you know, a current employee, 
um, that would be much more highly regarded and a you know foot into the door over any other um, candidate, right? Because you already have some vetting of that candidate. So using um, alumni to reach out to make relationships with um, in a connection with get their, you know, their advice, their career advice, get some um, understanding of how they got to where they're, where they are, or, you know, any um, knowledge that they can share with you. I think that would, our alumni are just a really valuable resource for, um, you know, trying to make decisions based (laughs) on where you want to, you know, your next career move yourself. And if you, I I know there's many tips that we could think of, um, but if you had a, you know, a top tip for somebody about to jump into the job search, what would that be? Um, In addition to reaching out to alumni and taking advantage of that resource, I think that um, to the extent you can get any type of experience, it's very helpful. Um, You know, when we, at the firm, when we were interviewing candidates for patent agent, it was always helpful to hear that you had read, that they had read a patent application or they had some sort of experience in the patent prosecution um, process. And so that's hard if you're not in the, you know, if your science itself isn't something that, you know, you pursued a patent application for. Um, But as I did, I think a really valuable resource at the U of R is the tech transfer office. Um, And, you know, it might be volunteering, but even if you can get a couple hours in a week where you are reviewing invention disclosures and learning about what makes something patentable, you know, and reviewing the disclosures and seeing if it meets that requirement, you know, to the extent you can, doing prior art searches, becoming familiar with a patent application uh, and the patent prosecution process. I mean, that would be really valuable experience and really put you ahead of, you know, other candidates that don't have that same experience in really in any sort of um, law firm setting, which is which is basically where you do need to start uh, a career in this field. And that's where, you know, law firm will train you for patent agent and even patent attorney um, and help you, you know, get a good footing in terms of then, you know, perhaps working for a company or um, government. All right. Well, um, Carissa, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for for all the information. Um, I guess one last thing I wanted to ask was just if folks watching this want to connect with you after this event, how should they do that? Um, sure. I'm happy to, more than happy to talk to anyone that has interest in this career field. Um, you can re- reach out to me through the LinkedIn, um, send me a message, let me know you watch this and have, you know, like have questions or would just like to talk about it more. I've over the years have met with many uh, graduate students at the U of R and talked about, you know, my path and, um, you know, happy to offer any advice I can answer any questions I can, or, you know, just talk through what you're thinking um, and go from there. That's how I got to where I am is talking to people at the U of R and alumni. So happy to pay that forward and and try to help others. Awesome. Well, Jacob, I uh, will not, skip your question here. So Jacob is a uh, toxicology alum, U of R 2021, currently DART study director at Charles River Laboratories. And he is asking, in your opinion, does the biopharma world allow for flexibility toward career changes? Or um, do you observe 
more people climb the ladder in the in the same area um i couldn't i know i couldn't go back to um a science you know a position in r d or science i've been too too far out of it but if you have continued in the science and want to switch over to legal yes that's a switch that i think can be made or a switch over into business development or alliance management um i think because the science is really the base that you need and what you build upon to branch out into another career so um no i think you can make the switch again if you're if you're switching from science to a different career again me being out of science for so long i i think i'd have trouble going back to the bench at, <laughs> at this point but i think there is there is room for for flexibility i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up so once again um carissa thank you so much for the time really appreciate you joining us today thanks so much for tuning in to the latest episode of the next step podcast if you liked what you heard please share with other members of the University of Rochester community or anyone you think could benefit from these career stories. And we wish you nothing but the best in your own career journey. Until next time.